think you can break a lot of prejudice if you're open-hearted and kind. And I think yeah. if you just take care of yourself and think about every move you make and plan your trip and mm -hmm. be, let's say, be connected with people in mm -hmm. to have some kind of safe call, safe zone, if you feel to travel, you also need some backup money, I would say, and yeah. be cautious and take the challenge and adventure because I think it, I also I would not travel now in a war zone, but <laughs> everything else I can okay. think it's manageable. <laughs> yeah. Hey folks, welcome to our show, African Nomad Podcast. This is a monthly show committed in helping you rethink and redefine your idea of traveling and having adventure in your life. Expanding your view, desire, interest, and pushing yourself to go out of your comfort zone. It's your boy Abdul, your host for the show. Welcome on board and let's get ready to take off. And today we're receiving a one special guest. She is a writer, a blogger, a content creator, an artist, an enthusiastic youth worker and a proud nerd. Mm. Teaching is her passion and non-formal education together with Erasmus are a magic stick to motivate young people from all around Europe. Mathematic is her first love. Mm, interesting to know. Books are her best friend. Originally, she was born and raised in Montenegro, but considers herself as a half Mostar girl, a city in Bosnia. She did an European Solidarity Corps volunteering year in Austria, during which she also worked in a refugee center, fell, love, fell in love with Vienna and decided to stay in this beautiful city. A tireless motivation to make the world a better, greener place and to break the glass ceiling along the way motivated her to start a slow down your design project with a group of friends in Austria. Currently, she's working on her second master degree and pursuing her MSc in eco design. History and politics of the world are the initiator for a huge urge to travel and feel new cultures. Please, my dear nomad, welcome on our second episode, Virna from Bosnia. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, hello, Mirna. How are you doing? I'm fine. It was a really nice day, and I'm really glad to be a part of your project and to have this luck to be a guest on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's really interesting. We, you said you had a beautiful day. So, what is it about the day that you had? Yeah, I mean, it's like we know we are living now in another uh, reality, let's say, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. in a global pandemic. So the yeah. reality is to take a COVID test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because in Vienna, we have this mass test is testing. Okay. So you can go and do a test uh, for free. And me and my roommate uh, did this the second time now. So we just took a ride with our bicycles, did a test. Uh, we are, of course, negative and enjoyed okay. a bit of Vienna and okay. it was a nice morning so and now I think also the day will be nice with after mm -hmm. talking with you yes <laughs> you're off Mozart right so can you tell us about that because for us we don't know what it is what yeah. is it <laughs> so <laughs> the the funny 
history of my country is that I mm -hmm. was born and raised actually in three different countries and okay. without leaving the country. Oh, so there were three countries in one country, right? It's like the name was changing during the whole time where I was okay. born and raised because officially I was born in the Republic of Yugoslavia. Okay. Then afterwards, the name changed into the Republic of Serbia and Montenegro. And okay. after the independence of Montenegro, of course, then was only Republic of Montenegro. So mm -hmm. without exiting my country, I lived <laughs> in three countries. <laughs> wow. Okay, so now those three countries are those ones are three countries right now, right? Yeah, right now, oh. and I consider myself half Bosnian because my father uh, is mm -hmm. from Mostar, and that's mm -hmm. the second biggest city in Bosnia. Okay, so it's actually more in Herzegovina if you want to be official, because okay. they like to uh, stress that out. <laughs> okay, and it's also a really nice and beautiful city which I recommend to visit. Uh, mm -hmm. A part of others beautiful cities on Balkans. And mm -hmm. that's the reason I say that I'm half Mostar girl because uh, I have this uh, fire of the South from both sides. <laughs> oh, the fire of the South. Okay, interesting fact. What is it? What is this, the fire of the South? Can you tell us? I think that the Yugoslavian people like the South Slavs, because you mm -hmm. have, if you know like a bit more of the Slavic history, you have yeah. East, you have North Slavs, you have South mm -hmm. Slavs, West okay. Slavs, like for instance, like Czech Republic and Poland, mm -hmm. they're on mm -hmm. the West side. You have also Russia and Ukraine, they're on the mm -hmm. East side and Slovakia. And then if you go a bit under on the Balkans, mm -hmm. you have the uh, South Slavs. And that's actually okay. the meaning of the word Yugoslavia, because Yug is the word that when you translate it in English means South. So that okay. are the South Slavs, you. basically. <laughs> so we are, we are, so now you are no more in the South, right? Now, now <laughs> I'm more in the central of the Europe, enjoying the relaxed life, being like real, in a really good position to travel mm -hmm. and a bit frustrated because I can't travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a lot of people in this world. But then I, I would like to come back on there on one very interesting point you mentioned so far in your bio that you, history and politics of the world are the initiator of your huge urge to travel and feel new cultures. Why is it so? And to which extent do you think this one took you? Yeah, I will say the history that I experienced on my skin and mm -hmm. the history of my people taught okay. me that there is this rich background in every uh, country and each continent, which I would really like to feel, not only read about, because mm -hmm. in our education system, you read a lot of facts, you learn about Africa, about South America, about Asia, and you mm -hmm. know that there is Europe and something is happening in Europe, but then you want to feel it and to see this intercultural mixture of different religions, different histories yeah. and everything. Yeah. And also the interesting facts about music, dance mm -hmm. and different kinds of dishes. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that you can only experience on your skin and maybe also not going directly into the tur touristic places and trying to find a way to meet people on a different mm -hmm. uh 
level, not only to go to buy a ticket and go to a hotel and go into a resort and okay. say, like, I was in Cuba. No, nice, mm-hmm. you were in Cuba, but what did you see <laughs> from Cuba? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so in uh, order to do that, and I was really young, I didn't have enough money to do those mm-hmm. kind of trips, but okay. then I figured out there are other ways, and I found out about Erasmus Plus and youth projects mm-hmm. and the Solidarity Corps now, uh, for instance, because of Austria, where I stayed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I started already with 16 to travel doing these kind of projects where you can mm-hmm. meet people from all around Europe and North Africa and, for instance, mm-hmm. some countries in Asia like mm-hmm. Azerbaijan and Armenia. So this was for me the solution to meet a lot of cultures, a lot of various people in one spot of the world, or in this case, Europe. So okay. that's the, how it started also with this uh, interest in history and also f- uh, women rights, like I told, like breaking this glass ceiling and mm-hmm. greener thinking in a way of thinking of sustainable solutions, which led me also more to the into the direction of studying eco-design. Okay, interesting. So when, when did you start leaving your country and why? Yeah, leave, well, if we talk about leaving my country, I would say with 16 uh, was my first big trip because I okay. wouldn't count the trips with my parents these are okay. the trips where you get the passport in your hand and you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I would say with 16 was my first trip where I uh, fly to Moscow and St. Petersburg. Okay. okay. And spend some time uh, with my peers. It was mm-hmm. the first flight over uh, out of my country borders, so to say, or out of Balkans, because I don't count the trip where I fly to Belgrade or I fly to Zagreb. So mm-hmm. that was for me the first trip that was longer than two hours. And okay. sit in a plane and it was like really amazing and see other cultures. And that's also where my love to Russian language started and la- Russian music. And mm-hmm. then I started to learn more Russian and t- think and read about Russia and about the history of Soviet Union, because it also affected a lot of the history of uh, Yugoslavia. Okay. So now are you fluent in Russian or just like I still trying? I would say fluent, but I would <laughs> okay. say B1. Okay. Because I didn't spoke for some years. Okay. Ja govorim po ruski, ja ponimaju sve. Da, da, da. Da, da. My my best Russian is Nazrovia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's also important. That's important to know. Amazing, right? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for example, you're just meeting people in a bar and then um hey, Nazrovia. Nazrovia. Yeah, meeting people in the bar. <laughs> those times yeah yeah yeah. you know everything goes virtually so this is how we can just uh, make life go on until the borders get open again yeah definitely yeah and you mentioned a lot of projects that you had so what is the relation between those projects the travels and um, what can you say about those projects can you go through these ones those projects uh, helped me to know myself better, get to know Mm -hmm. myself better and Mm -hmm. to figure out what is happening actually in 
the world, in the countries uh, which I visit, because sometimes as we live in our countries, we are closed up in a small bubble and we get the stuff from the media, which mm -hmm. are interesting for our country and uh, that our governments think that's that's important. That's that's something we should stream on our news. And mm -hmm. I thought everything is uh, super perfect in some countries or really bad. And mm -hmm. I have to say, I was a bit anxious. Uh, my first travel out of Europe was to Morocco. Okay. So it was for me, okay, traveling to Morocco, there are a lot of prejudice because we are not traveling into the touristic part of Morocco. We were going mm -hmm. to Tangier and then down mm -hmm. to La Rache and Asila. Mm -hmm. So it's more yep. on the Atlantic coast. So it's not that fam famous and popular for tourists or to say it plain, there are no camels there. True. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the only touristic stop we made on on our uh, trip back was Chevron, the blue city, because oh, yeah. I wanted really to see the blue city. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful, right? Yeah, so, and there I experienced a really, really warm and domestic environment uh, because we flew three to four days earlier because mm -hmm. the organizer of the project was our friend so mm -hmm. we made it so that we visit him and we slept over at his place with his parents and mm -hmm. i think these kind of meetings are really important for getting to know this common life everyday life how do people mm -hmm. live there and then you get the full experience of a country or a city yeah. and afterwards also the project the main idea of the project was gender roles and experiencing different uh, realities uh, from Tunisia, Algiers, mm -hmm. uh, Sweden, Georgia, uh, England. Then you have like people from Spain, people from Balkans, and all of them meet in La Rache. <laughs> wow. And so you have the whole world in one place. Yeah. And then you exchange the experiences. Then you have these problems of the world, like in a scale where the people from Sweden come up with a payment gap as a huge problem in their country between men and women, because the topic was gender roles. And then you okay. have a girl from Armenia who talks about abortion and mm -hmm. about other really strict laws for females or in Tunisia about okay. LGBT rights and stuff. And then you think, oh, my country is not doing that bad as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Or they could be better because in look in Sweden, they have, Mm, they think about this. Mm, we didn't talk thought about this for a man to go on mm -hmm. uh, pregnancy leave or something, maternity leave. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you are somewhere in between and then you can think about what could you do better for yourself or your country. Or then you think about maybe should I leave my country to experience other stuff and mm -hmm. to see other stuff. And yeah, that was for me one of the triggers to say I would try to do a year first. That was the first inspiration because there is this possibility of a voluntary year outside mm -hmm. of your country. And mm -hmm. then I found out about the Solidarity Corps, mm -hmm. applied for it, found a suitable yeah. project and was interested in many countries. I applied for more than one. But then when I got approved for two or three or so, you can uh, see where would you like to go. So I mm -hmm. said, okay, Austria, 
Mm -hmm. Australia is because I have a lot of friends here and it would be fun to also know people when I'm already there. And I have to be honest, we all know that Vienna is a center of arts and culture. So for all art lovers, like museum lovers, it's, it's a paradise. Yeah, I think Mozart is also from this place, right? Am I right? I yeah. guess. So. No, Mozart is more from Salzburg. Salzburg, okay. Yeah, okay. but it's Austria, so it counts. It's Austria, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Yeah, great. We won't say other people, so yeah, it counts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, hey, I would like to come back on one point. You were just mentioning media um, when you were just doing your volunteering um, activities back in Morocco. So my question is, how do, do you think perceptions of a place where you can go or where you would like to go can just refrain you to go to that place? How do you see perceptions and how do you see them when you are in these places, when you reach them? Mm-hmm. You mean like prejudice or some yeah. ideas in your head that you get? Um, yeah, I think when it's, it's yeah, challenging. It. It's challenging mm-hmm. because you always read a lot about it and listen about it. It's also with the Balkans when people, like the first tip you get from somebody, if you say, hey, I'm doing a Balkan trip, like, hmm, mm-hmm. take care mm-hmm. of your stuff. You can be <laughs> mugged there. Okay. Or people are that and that, they can do that. And that. Don't trust the locals. You need a local guide. And mm-hmm. those kind of stuff you are also hearing when you also travel to Morocco, like mm, a female traveling alone, take care of mm. yourself. You should maybe bring somebody with you, a male. Mm. <laughs> so, a male. <laughs> yeah, like to be safe, like on your trips in your all, the whole trip, if you're not going with an uh, airplane directly, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because it is a bit strange and new. But mm-hmm. I think you can break a lot of prejudice if you're open-hearted and kind. And I think yeah. if you just take care of yourself and think about every move you make and plan your trip and mm-hmm. be, let's say, be connected with people in mm-hmm. to have some kind of safe call, safe zone, if you feel to travel, you also need some backup money, I would say, and yeah. be cautious and take the challenge and adventure because I think I also I would not travel now in a war zone, but (laughs) everything else I can think it's manageable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interesting to know. And and you also mentioned money. How do you prepare for money when you're traveling? (laughs) (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're, as I mentioned it at the beginning, the reason that I started traveling do, mm-hmm. doing these projects let's say or using that as a tool uh, mm-hmm. was actually my m- money problem mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say money problem uh, I was just young I was 16 mm-hmm. to 23 in this period I wasn't uh, working actively I was studying and to travel you in order to travel you needed uh, to pay your tickets and everything yeah, so yeah the good side from this project was one of that they pay everything all your costs and reimbursement and you get everything back like your sleeping place uh, the visa costs if you need a visa and your Mm -hmm. ticket flights and the only thing you need is 
it's if you're traveling maybe four, four or five days earlier. But also in that cases, you can find a solution to say, I couldn't find a flight earlier, so I needed mm-hmm. to fly then and then. Uh, but I say you can always also write to people because you always have the group of people who are attending the project and yeah. the local ones who are there. You can say, hey, I'm coming maybe two days earlier. Can I sleep at your place or use your couch so it always functions in the end i mean for me till now i only experience the good sides of these kind of projects for young people that's that's interesting and yeah vienna when does vienna come into picture and where when did it start when did you start falling in love with vienna i would say vienna was in <laughs> my mind like really early Uh, oh, yeah. the first time I visited Vienna when I was 18, mm-hmm. I was traveling through Vienna to Germany with okay. a stop. Mm-hmm. And also once I visited Budapest, I needed to visit Vienna once again. I'm always, mm-hmm. when I'm in the near surrounding of Vienna, like near also when I'm in Prague. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's relative how it's near to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I wanted always to make it somehow fly through Vienna or stop in Vienna uh, with my friends or my family. And I was, the first time I visited Vienna, I was 20 and I was like, okay, This is a really nice city. Uh, and I have to be honest, I fell in love with the city transport. I like oh, how the okay. subway is functioning, how the trams are precise in minutes. So that was for me like, oh, this is really nice. <laughs> I would like to live here. <laughs> <laughs> and then? Then started my plan somehow to come to Vienna. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I found this project. My project mm-hmm. was actually not directly based in Vienna. It mm-hmm. was under Vienna in a neighbor city called St. Polten. Okay. Uh, but it was like 20 minutes with the train uh, uh, away. So it wasn't that hard to visit Vienna during it. But yeah. I officially moved and live now in Vienna in August 2020. So the 2020 had It's perks. It was <laughs> okay. Yeah, it has this good side too, right? Yeah. So, so of officially Viennese, like four months now. <laughs> okay, four months. That's that's a lot. That's something already. <laughs> so, how was your integration process in Austria, mostly Vienna? I I have to say the integration was uh, somehow easy. Because mm-hmm. of my language skills, I would say I want I don't want to say that it's mandatory to speak German in Austria, especially in Vienna. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who speak fluent English and you can yeah. get around the city only with English and order food and ask people for help in English. It's not that you need to speak German like in Italy, that you need to speak Italian or in French, that you need to mm-hmm. speak French. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. from that side but I think it was a bit easier because I spoke German to get more Austrian and local people into my circle of friends and mm-hmm. uh, my people to say so it helped me to decide to stay here because I felt safe and I felt like home uh, mm-hmm. because people are those who make your home and I think I found my home here because The uh, day ago, I talked with my roommate and t- told him, like, hey, now I have two homes. It, like, popped up in my mind <laughs> because I think about it, like, literally, like, if I go to visit my family, 
I would more mm-hmm. crave to come back to Vienna in my room because now I don't have any memory of my room in Montenegro because this mm-hmm. is now my room and my home. And I would be to to visit Montenegro, not to go home. So it was like, wow, I now have maybe more than one home in my head. And this is a goal of mine to have more and more homes in the world, to have this homey feeling all around. Mm-hmm. Now I'm feeling just curious. Can can you just take us on a virtual trip to Montenegro, please? <laughs> I think that won't be that uh, difficult because okay. Montenegro is really small. For those okay. who don't know uh, where it is, it's located in the south of Europe. Mm-hmm. It's under uh, the Croatian coast, but okay. also up from Albania, so it's on the Adriatic Sea. Uh, the neighbors across the sea are Italians, so okay. we are connected with Italy with a fair. Uh, every day you can go with a fair called Bar Bari because the okay. city in Montenegro is Bar and the city in Italy is Bari. So it started oh, nice. because of the trading system in the uh, late 19th century, and now it's mm-hmm. more for transport of people and goods between those two bases. So it's also like really good located and it's really small. It has mm-hmm. only 650,000 uh, 650, uh, inhabitants. So it's okay. like smaller than Vienna, yeah. <laughs> the whole country. <laughs> Just so you can have a picture in your head, Vienna has about 2 million people. Mm-hmm. And it has a sea coast and that makes it magical oh, nice. and beautiful. Ooh. But also it on it, in its northern parts, you can also go uh, do winter sports because there are always snow in winter. So it has yeah, all of it. It's small, but and for those who like uh, canyons and rivers, there's also the one or not the second deepest canyon in the world after wow, the Colorado. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people doesn't know that it's deep uh, one one kilometer and three hundred meters. So it's like. 1.3. Perfect. <laughs> so it's like if you like bungee jumping and those kind of stuff, you can do that from a bridge. <clears throat> That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I'm like standing on the b- bridge and. <laughs> Seriously, um, yeah, I, I know adventures is something interesting. It, there's a lot of things to do, but yeah, if I can skip that one, I can. I will do it. That's for sure. Yeah, I would like my heart to go on for a long time. <laughs> So, so you mean you've never done something crazy like that? No, I'm not into extreme sports. Like the okay. craziest thing I can do is maybe go with the boat on the sea or something. That's for me also, wow, I'm in a boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you mean a fast boat or just No, like just a, a boat <laughs> because I'd like to feel the ground under my feet. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah, but... Uh. Anyway, this is this is a way to live life, um, and we have different way of feeling, uh, the adventures and something like that. So, um, a mathematician traveling, what is it like for a mathematician or in general? In general, <laughs> because I. If I would talk from the perspective from a mathematician, you, 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 can, you can take both perspectives. I'm inter- interesting actually on both ways. Yeah, start with the mathematician. 
Yeah, the mathematician prepares everything, counts everything and looks the perfect way of or the shortest way to travel somewhere and to connect all the spots you like to visit. So this is the site where I use my mathematical, logical skills where I think about the spots and connect them. But mm-hmm. to travel, it's, I think, the freedom we need to feel the freedom to leave the country and come back, which we now, all of us, I think, experience in a way how it affects our lives. Maybe mm-hmm. if I, if these borders wouldn't, wouldn't be closed now, <laughs> I wouldn't also travel maybe. I would sit here and study and work, but this feeling that the border is closed and that you can't travel actually so easily and free as you yeah. wish, uh, it's somehow oppressing. And then you think about other countries in the world. Uh, this is their reality. They can't leave their countries that easily. They need uh, visas. They need other improvements from the government. And this is for me like the best definition of travel. Feel this mm-hmm. freedom of choice to go wherever you want and experience whatever you want if you have time and resources. And I think this kind of, um, let's say, new trends in the world like digital nomads yeah. uh, are really close to this maybe uh, world citizens, citizen idea that you can travel and leave. I think yeah. the leaving, the part of leaving a country is the hard part when you can turn around and say, okay, I think I'm, I'm feeling fine to leave this place. Because to connect with a place is also really a burden and emotionally. And I think also going back to this freedom. So freedom at all ways of living. Yeah. So what is your deepest thought about um, how people who want to live, but they can't, I mean, want to travel, but they can't travel? Um, what is your deepest thought of how the world is going? And for a traveler like you, how does it impact you? Emotionally speaking, uh, all the feeling that you just have right now, can you just share a little bit with us? Yeah, there, there is this conflict, you know, because I'm now on my eco design studies and we mm-hmm. learn a lot about and about pollution, air pollution especially, yeah. and then our environment, our environment is endangered. A lot of animal species and all in all species like plants and are really endangered because of the ozone hole. And I think that's the part where I like to stop my brain and make it on my, on the paper. Like how do I badly need to use a plane now? Like, Mm -hmm. and try to think about other ways to travel across Europe at least because yeah, we can use trains, we can use buses, we can try to lower this kind of eco footprint on a personal mm-hmm. level if we are trying not to travel a lot with the plane. But yeah. then have these plus plus points to points, sorry, I'm <laughs> mixing it with the German plus points okay. when you're traveling across the ocean, maybe, and treat yourselves one in a, once in a while to use an over or over Atlantic flight or go to this trip to Thailand or somewhere because sometimes it's time consuming and sometimes we need to do those kind of flights. So I wouldn't say restrictively no flight, no flying at all, mm-hmm. but try to 
do it more consciously and think about it how and when. Okay, interesting. Uh, uh, you left your country pretty early. Can you tell us what was your feeling at that time when you left your country with your parents? Hmm. This is also a question of freedom for me. If you talk okay. about this kind of, are my parents actually... Yeah. Because you, you, you can, we, we know a little bit the circumstances of how your country looked like at that time, but can you just make a bigger picture for maybe the audience who really understand how it, how it was at that time? Yeah, I, I would say like Yugoslavia has this history, which is not that far away. If you mm -hmm. think about it, like we we see now is peace, everything is fine. And mm -hmm. somehow, I would say somehow is functioning. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, they are not killing each other anymore. Mm. <laughs> But uh, I would say this thought between this tension is still there between mm -hmm. people because we need maybe the third generation, maybe the children of my children, or uh, they won't talk about this, but it affects us a lot, this mm -hmm. separation between nations. And mm -hmm. because that's also a thing on Balkans that, that the nation is somehow connected with the religion and mm -hmm. actually the religion is connected with your name. So nobody asks you like, are you Catholic? Ah, you have a Catholic name. So you are Catholic or you're an Orthodox. So mm -hmm. these kind of stuff are for me really oppressing. I don't want to think about people and putting them in those boxes and like make friends only in one box and that I I, I'm not supposed to go out of it. Or if I do it, then I'm strange or weird or not understood by the society. Yeah. In Montenegro, I would say the situation wasn't that bad like in Bosnian because Montenegro is one of the six states that made it out of the unity without a war. Okay. So uh, they took part in the big war, which happened in Bosnia, because mm -hmm. the separation process officially started in uh, 1991 yes. with uh, the wars in Slovenia and Croatia. But mm -hmm. these wars, like the war in Slovenia, is called also the 10-day war because it only lasted wow. 10 days. So let's say it wasn't that bad like in Bosnia because in Bosnia it lasted four years. And we wow. also had there okay. um, Sarajevo, like a biggest siege of the history that was one city was kept like for 1,042. Uh, 425 days under oppression wow. of the Serbian military. So it has still, it, it left some marks on the people and on the thinking and economics because it started also because of international climate and uh, economic collapse uh, itself. Mm -hmm. It began with the death of Tito, the president of Yugoslavia, or yeah. how people tend to say the darling dictator, because he was a dictator. He was somebody who was on the top for 60 years. So it's not like, hey. Wow. So it's some, something that happened. And then it triggered other Uh, com the com triggered the idea or, or the ideals of communism and then in, 
it happened, the race of nationalisms, because it, I think yeah. it's something that really easily raises in a society when the poverty comes, when the crisis comes, then is this separation model really strong. People tend to group themselves. We are Serbs, we are this, we are this, we are Croatians, and then they wanted their own countries. Yeah. And it was supported from the international society because nobody told, no, Slovenia is not now independent. They recognized the independence of Slovenia. And then they gave the green light to other countries. So then it was independence of Croatia and independence of Macedonia. And then in Bosnia it was a bit tough because they fought for it. So it was yeah. four years. And in the end, after the war, there are still a can- three countries in a country. It's still oh, yeah. not that well organized. They have three presidents in on the top. So it's still a conflict between the minorities in it. And my parents uh, worked and lived in Sarajevo okay. during the 80s and 19th. And I was born uh, 1902. So that's the year when they uh, escaped or they traveled to Montenegro moved okay. and started their lives there. And yeah, I was raised in and born in Montenegro my whole life. I changed cities and so on, but Montenegro is small, so changing cities in Montenegro is basically changing districts in Vienna. I see. <laughs> I see. But what's your closest memory when you were living um, with your parents when they tried to escape? I... Uh, Gladfully, I don't have a lot of memories of that time. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only, let's say, negative memory which I carry with myself was the second war, which I experienced, the last mm-hmm. war that happened in yeah. uh, Serbia and Kosovo. It mm-hmm. was uh, from 1996 till 1999. Yeah. Uh, I, I remembered, ne- that was the year, 1999, when I started my first year of school. I was seven, and that's when you start your school in Montenegro. And I just remembered that I couldn't start school. (laughs) I mean, my mother tried to make it simple so we don't get stressed and stuff. And then she bought us some ice cream, and she was like, let's make a fun day and eat ice cream in the basement today. I was like, yay. And then I figured out when I was older, okay, now I see why we ate the ice cream in the basement. Good way to, to cover it. That's yeah, nice. but I was seven and my sister was three. So we are re- literally not getting much of it, what's happening around us. Mm-hmm. So it's not that bad, a lot of bad memories. It's more the talks which I heard from the families from both sides, which were the whole time in Sarajevo yeah. or in Bosnia. And also afterwards, the movies you, there's a lot of movies, like, for instance, this year, uh, there's a new movie from Yasmila Zbanić. That's a re- she's a really good director, and she okay. was in Venice and also now in Canada on some festivals, and they got really good uh, ratings. Uh, it's about the genocide in Bosnian. It's called Quadis Aida. So I think it's also a nice recommendation for people who are into Bosnian history. Also Mm -hmm. like No Man's Land with Dan Stanovic. So I think these are part of movies. It's interesting to watch. And of course, you can always 
Google and feel free to ask afterwards after the podcast. Yeah, I can recommend yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry, dear nomads. You you will have all these links and information so far after. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting to to hear about all these stories from from you as you were inside and you you lived this um, experience of the war and then leaving for other countries and. Uh, finding a new tomorrow i would say that this way right yeah i think that was a trigger for me because i couldn't live in a country which is basically sitting on a bomb i have that feeling uh and this fear that always it's a moment it's a drop it needs somebody to light it up and i think these people would be ready to start it again and this feeling hurts a lot and I I tried because there are always these kind of comments com- coming from outside, like, why did you left your country? If you think it's that bad, you should stay and support it and be active mm-hmm. politically or uh, some other engagement and help the people there. Uh, I tried. I tried. I did some work. I did some volunteering stuff. But then you always, after a few steps, you reach a closed door because you're not politically suitable, you're not in the direction or your parents or you, and if you're yeah. showing your real face, it's not going to function for you well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's something, this injustice is something that hurts me a lot, and that was the reason I wanted to start n- neutral. And not saying mm-hmm. that Austria is ideal or a perfect democracy society, uh, there are always parts where it can be better and we can work on it, but still the freedom to express myself and do stuff in a way that I think should be done. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have it here. I found it here for now. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that I'm staying here my whole life. Maybe I will move in a few years somewhere else and try to figure my life there. But Mm -hmm. for my late 20s, I think and other millennial problems, I think it's good to be in a safe country. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, Dirna. So we are almost at the end of our second episode. So I would like you maybe to share your final thoughts on what would you like to say? You have the floor. This is your time. Tell us about everything you couldn't tell from the beginning and your final thoughts. Go for it. It's always difficult to make a final thought, <laughs> but I would say reading, reading mm-hmm. helped me a lot books Mm -hmm. and reading about other cultures, articles. That's something that inspires me and that helps me to write better. And Mm -hmm. in order to write better and read, you need also another part of it that's experience. And I think experience in order to understand is something that we need to cherish. So that's something that's let's try to make this world a better place and not don't stop trying it. Do it on on your own and hope for the best. Trust. Great. (laughs) Let's make this place the better place. For sure, this is something I also like to hear mostly from Michael Jackson. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But don't ask me to sing now. (laughs) Oh, hey. All right. So we have a new star. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. All right. Don't worry. I'm not going to make you sing right now, but maybe later. Oh, yeah. Uh, How does our audience can just get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with you? Uh, We can post my email address. 
okay. or it may be easier to go directly on my web page where I have okay. my personal blog. It's called Eat More Arts, mm-hmm. or uh, follow me on Instagram account called Konsum Kunst. So okay. either way, uh, they can reach out and write to me or on your pages. I would be there gladly to answer their questions. Yay! Great, great. Thank you so much, Verna, for coming up on the show today. It was a delightful conversation. I could hear a lot about your three countries in one country (laughs) and so many beautiful stories about the volunteering experience sharing that you had in various countries and also your big love for Vienna. Hope you enjoyed you you enjoy the, the the pastry in Vienna, right? Oh yeah. That's that's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? I'll keep it for myself. I'll cut it from the conversation. I'm kidding. But yeah, that's, that's a beautiful thing actually. Thank you for coming up on the show. This is it for our episode today. Thank you so much and we enjoyed having this conversation. Hey my dear nomad, hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Please visit our website for more stories and experiences and adventures. And also please leave a comment or a review. That could be grateful. We love you. Take care of yourself and see you on the next episode of African Nomad Podcast.